Welcome to Money Class. This is the elective you did not take in high school, the stuff you would have loved to learn about but possibly didn't. So this is personal finance tips with a CFP. Up in the morning and out to school. The teacher is teaching the golden rule. American history and practical man. You study him hard and hoping to pass. Well, get out your laptop and your notebooks. Take your seats because it's about time for roll call. The all-important disclosure, this show is educational and for entertainment value. I do not know you or your situation, and I only give advice to clients. So talk to your legal professional, tax professional, or financial professional before you go taking any advice and taking action with this show. So that being said, it's time for class. And it's a real treat to be here. Money class has started, so Thank you for joining us. We're going to be jumping into our lecture series. Today's lecture is going to be a good one, and it is dealing with the idea of money and credit and investments. So for anyone getting started with money, um, you really want to know, you really, really want to know uh, what you should do. Good decisions will help make better decisions. Know the rules of the game. Okay, so that is what we're going to jump into for our first lecture is the money things you need to know. It's funny. I have a child. He's in kindergarten, and there's that wonderful book that says, Everything I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. And that is so true. Even when it comes to money, it is true in many ways because you think about it. When you were five years old and you got money, you knew that there was some of it that was to spend, some of it to save, some of it to give away. And that's how it kind of starts is some money is for you to spend. Go ahead and buy a candy bar. Go ahead and take this and buy whatever you like. Some of it, we're saving this and you hold it somewhere. And some of it is to give. And those lessons we learn so young sometimes quickly go by the wayside. When we become an adult and we start making that real dollar, those big dollars, we forget that some of it is to save. Some of it is is not to spend. It's to save. And the, the important thing is how do you save? Do you have a 401k do you save into? Or do you have an automatic savings account that pulls from your checking? Or do you have a robo-advisor tool that will auto-invest $50 a month or $100 a month or whatever number you'd like to put in there, but it's systematic and automatic and it happens regularly. Some basic fundamentals with money is you need to put it where it needs to be. You need to tell it where it needs to go. And so every dollar you get on the course of the month, you don't want to spend that. You want to take some of it and save some of it. You want to take some of it and give some of it to whatever that means for you. You want to figure that out as an adult, just as it was when you were in kindergarten. Second thing in the lecture series we'll talk about today in this week's lecture is credit. Do you know the rules of the game when it comes to credit? Certainly in future weeks, we'll talk more about credit than we are going to today. But if you don't know your credit score, it's a, you can get it free annually from each of the bureaus. There's a number of services that do that. In particular, if you don't know the rules of credit and how your credit score is derived, that is very important to know. We'll talk about that in a future lecture. But the important one I want to highlight, you want to know what your balance is compared to your limits. On every credit card you have, what's your balance compared to your limit? Very important. Almost as important as paying it off on time. 
Moving into our final thing. So we've got money, we have credit, we have investing. You know, when you are investing money, when you are going to go invest money, what you need to do is understand how long that money is going to be invested for. Is it money that you're putting away because you're going to go buy a new bicycle, buy a new car, buy a house for retirement, for you don't know what? Whatever that money is, you want to think about and try and understand when you might use that. And if it's a short term, if it's less than two years, there you have no business investing that money. You will need that money in a shorter period of time. So find yourself a good place to hold that, that it will be there and maybe have some growth. But we don't want to get greedy with trying to have that money grow too fast because like anything, it could grow, it could not grow. You want to be careful. And if it's less than two years, of course, hold it somewhere safe and secure, checking account, savings account under your bed, figure it out. If it's longer than that, though, if we're saying, hey, this might be money that five years from now, three to five years is when I think I'm going to need this money. It's for a house. Now you might look at other vehicles, certificate of deposit, a high interest savings account, maybe some bonds or short term bonds or bond funds, possibly some investments. But really, it's this is what I would call medium term You might need it in three to five years, so you want to be careful with your investment decisions. And then the final piece here is if it's long-term, if it's money that's going to be 20 years down the road, your retirement, you know, 10 years or more, you can really look at holding that money in a vehicle that will have some potential for growth because that's where you'll see time giving you the ability to potentially have that compounding interest, and there is big value in that. So that's all the time we have for today's lecture. We're going to move on to our next segment of the show. This will be the chalkboard. Time to go to the chalkboard. Good morning, class. Good morning, class. Class. Thank you. And it's time to go to the chalkboard. So today on the chalkboard, I want to draw up three buckets. Okay, on the first bucket, the drawing's not so good, but the first bucket, we have a short-term bucket. We're calling that short-term. Everything that's less than two years goes into this bucket when we might need the money. Think of checking account, savings account, money that's just held at the house. This is the short-term money of where we will hold that. Maybe CDs possibly too, but for the most part, savings account, checking account. Then the next bucket, this is a little bit of a bigger bucket, hopefully, is the medium-term bucket. This is the money that we'll need three to five years. This is money we'll need and we want to hold in this bucket. Hopefully, we'll earn a little more interest on here, but it's also some savings accounts, maybe some one, two, three-year certificate of deposit, CDs, possibly some some of the short-term bonds or bond funds, and possibly some investments, but on a smaller basis. This third bucket over here is our long-term bucket. So money that's going to be five years or more. That is where we can look at investments. And that is where it's going to be other equity accounts, investment accounts, other bond funds. And you'll find your mix of different bonds you can put in there, but stocks, other things. And you want to have an allocation that will give you potential to grow because it can ride the market up and down. You'll have more time for that to go to work. So today at the chalkboard, we're looking at three different buckets, your short-term, 
your medium term and your long term. Think about when you're going to need this money and which bucket it should be in. Now, wherever you're at for your own chalkboard and your own notebook, you want to understand and take stock of all of your accounts and all of your money. Where is it and what's it held in? In which bucket, if we were to reposition that money into these buckets, which bucket should you be putting that money in? And you want to understand that. So you can definitely do this yourself. Try and take stock of where your money is and which bucket they should be in. So that is today's chalkboard assignment. Let's see what you can do and see if you can solve the problem yourself uh, there at the chalkboard in your notebook. We will be grading this, so make sure that you're uh, doing your best work. Now, boys and girls, I'm going to give you an assignment. I want you to write a theme. And before we close class, it is time for the homework challenge. we got a challenge for you this week, and it's the year-end statement. So go to your investment account, and you should be finding your year-end statement. That should be coming in the mail, or you can grab it online, available for your investment accounts. You want to pull that out. We're gonna, I'm going to challenge you this week to pull that statement out, get your highlighter, get a few different uh, colored pens and pencils, Pull that statement out or print it out, have it in front of you, circle that value on 12-31-2018. Circle it, that value. Also on there, you'll be able to find what the value is from 1-1-2018. It will be on the statement. You want to circle that value. Notice if there's a difference. Did it go up or did it go down in 2018? Now, take those values and that performance and then take a look at what the stock market did in 2018. By and large, it was a down year for the Dow and also for the S&P 500. Uh, did you go down as well or did you go up? And that is this week's challenge. Get your statement, highlight or circle those values for the end of the year and then also for the previous beginning of the year. And let's see how you did. If you have any questions about this, we can definitely talk about it. Uh, I want you to understand that this is the homework challenge, and I want you to try and find out how you did in 2018. Lunch card. Lunch card. Don't have one. Dad, what are you doing here? Dad, from now on, I'm eating all my meals here at school with you. What? No. Hey, Spence, I got in the lunchbox today. This show, Money Class, is going to be good. I'm excited about talking about money with people. Hopefully, it'll be a way for people to, you know, in a, in a lighthearted way, learn a little bit more about money. Educational, and hopefully, some good ideas will come of the show. And it's a class that was not offered. And so now we are good to go. And it's, it's best to have a little bit of fun with something that is sort of a formidable uh, subject and one that is somewhat intimidating, but also one in many, many years you'll say, boy, am I glad I paid attention in that class. And I love the theme here, money class. So we're going to have fun with this throughout this show, throughout weeks upon weeks of doing this. We're going to have fun with the class theme. You know, what you got in your lunchbox. You know, I just remember being a kid so glowingly, you know, the, the recess, the lunch, the lunchbox, the, uh, you know, the chatter over the lunch break. You know, it's just so fun to have those memories. And I hope we can have fun 
playing off of that uh, nostalgic memory. When I look at uh, the playground of my school in Thousand Oaks, Glenwood Elementary, we had tetherball. We had foursquare. We had handball. We had basketball. We had just free open play, which was, here's the ball, now we're going to kill you, and chasing kids <laughs> around. We had so much fun with not only actual playing of baseball, but then when it gets into the the free play. And I think that's what this show is going to be more about. It's going to be about that that thoughtfulness, you know, the the creating your own destiny and your own future, getting the facts and knowing how to do it, but also, again, having fun. Because think of what you did in the old days with just a piece of chalk, okay? Hit it over this line, and you just you have those rules. You have that fun. But throughout the whole thing, you're learning how to manage people when you were a kid, how to play along with rules that you sort of created and you know limits, like you said, in the buckets. What am I putting in this one? What am I putting out? You have created rules for yourself, and it's time to follow those but have fun while you're doing it. And that's why recess and lunchtime, as you can tell, uh, were my favorite times. <laughs> loved, loved recess, loved lunch. I was dodgeball for me. I remember in the fourth grade, loved playing dodgeball. They don't play that anymore. They really don't. Funny thing, I'm going to blow your mind here. Like, I'm going to blow your mind here. So when I was in the fifth grade, my teacher, Miss Strickland, that was her name. She was strict, but she was very sweet and very nice. Fifth grade teacher, Miss Strickland. So my son is five years old. He's in kindergarten. His teacher... Miss Strickland, same teacher. Wow. That's a career. You're not going to be like your daddy, are you? Has there been any conversation? <laughs> there is. There is. It is very funny. I look very different. I'm a bald man That's now. exactly what your dad would have said. You know? and, <laughs> but that, wow, you wonder how often that comes up. So I brought the class picture to school, and I said, hey, Miss Strickland, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, here is our class picture, and that is me. And her jaw dropped. She said, oh, my goodness. She said, I... I did hear that uh, I did hear that you were going to be in the class, that your son was in the class, and I couldn't remember your face, and I was actually thinking you were someone else. But I'm glad you brought this because you were a sweet young boy. I was like, oh, I was. Oh my goodness. I don't, I don't, I don't know what I was, but <laughs> apparently I was not a hassle, or maybe she was being very nice. But she's she is a, a sweetheart. Kind she's a good teacher. Woman yes, is what she is. <laughs> but getting back to the dodgeball and the fun of the day. Again, that is a game that has very loose rules, and we used to play different forms of dodgeball. One was absolute chaos, and there was some wounding involved, and that was when they put us in the room on a rainy day, and the, the coach would come out with a big net bag of balls, just a huge one. You'd throw them out, and they'd roll out in. Everybody would run and grab one, and you just started throwing, and there's shirts and skins. When you played this level, dodgeball, that's the day you did not want to be skins because you, you would get tattooed. <laughs> Think and about that nowadays. They, shirts and skins, no way. That does not happen anymore. It, it just, wouldn't happen, and it also, the uh, ferocity of the game. And I will tell you, I was there, and we played the game a lot. Nobody ever got, were there a couple of tears? Yeah. Did somebody get waxed occasionally? Sure. But that's what happened. And it was fun. And did you ever play the game German dodgeball? No. This is what we call it. Okay, on a basketball court, dodgeball. So you have two guys that are like goalies. And then you have the team. So you're the goalie. The team right in front of you is the opposing team. The team on the other side is your team. And obviously the goalies on the other side is their team. So when you played it good, the whole thing was Here to get going. that into a crossfire. Because you had the ball. So 
you would throw it like to your guys on the other side, and it was a nuts game. It was crazy, but it was so much fun. You played on a basketball court. If you stepped out of line to dodge a ball, you're out. And if you got hit by a ball and it bounced away, you're out. If you catch the ball, that guy's out. And it was just so bam, 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 bam. But again, it was rules that were kind of made on the fly. It was free play, free thinking, and memories, like you say, that were just great. And it was a very athletic thing to do. That was never a sport, except for the movie. Uh, Dodgeball. Yeah, except for <laughs> On that. On ESPN, the Ocho. Yeah, yeah. and there, there's been that here and there, but it was basically the way we worked as children. And I think even with my son, who I try to go out and do stuff with a lot, I still think he has too much rigid play as opposed to that kind of stuff. There was never – where was the teacher when you played dodgeball? Right. Hopefully not anywhere near where they could see what was going on. Yeah, you self-regulate your own game as well. It's better if they're not there to uh, – No know, referee. No, yeah, you just you, – you know, it, usually they got involved if there was a disagreement that yeah. you couldn't figure out yourselves, and then the game essentially squashed, recesses over, and – you know, and that's how it, it went. was kind of Lord of the Flies. And you got all the guys, you know, the alpha dudes that were kind of leading. But you did follow within a team structure and you made up most of the rules and laws yourself. Yeah, it's important. You learn a lot from that as a kid. Hey, here's another thing I want to ask you about. So this theme, the money class yes. that we're having, this theme, there's a lot of good movie movie quotes and movie scenes where they talk about the, the class theme, the school theme. What are some movies that you can think of that have school in them or the class? Animal House. (laughs) That was, uh, again, it's a college thing. uh, And the other college one, oh boy, uh, um, Rodney Dangerfield, Sam Kinison. It's when he had to go back to school. It was classic. And somebody out there right now is yelling at the radio with a title. It was an absolute classic school movie. But it's, it's the cliche of he's got to go back to class to prove himself. But with Rodney and with Sam Kinison as a younger comedian, off the charts. I remember Ferris Bueller's oh. Day Off. Classic movie. Loved that movie. Bow, wow, Just a great movie. That was the band Yellow that did that song, by the way. And that also had Ben Stein, the introduction. And what was Ben Stein in real life? An economist. Yes. Bueller. Everybody knew... Ferris Bueller at their school. Certainly the movie was an exaggerated form of that, but everybody knew that guy. Right, everybody had right. that kind of guy in their class, and that, that is really a great one. Then there's a lot of uh, sports movies that pop up and, and the like, but you know, it's those movies were the funny ones that made everybody think back on, again, the exaggerated form of the kids you knew. What was the one? Was it, was it Dead Poet Society? It was a cl- Captain classic Captain. line. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, and that's a carpe diem. Was the, yes. was the whole thing. Robin Williams, brilliant movie. Very, very funny, very sad, very touching. And it's, uh, it's that type of thing. And if I could get into a little economy yeah. uh, that I did when I was in school, I had the good luck. I went to a school in, in Ventura County in Thousand Oaks. It was the middle school, uh, junior high, whatever you want to call it, seventh and eighth grade. So when I went to school, I took the bus. Then my dad realized that he drove to his work in Westlake from Thousand Oaks. And it was pretty much right by the school. And he said, hey, if you want me to drop you and Andy, my next-door neighbor, off, instead of taking the bus, I'm thinking, this is golden. And the key was we got to school 30 minutes early. What was right behind the school? 7-Eleven. I had 50 cents for lunch. What did I do? I bought 50 jawbreakers. 
Back then, folks, yes, in the Wayback Machine, penny candy. I brought <laughs> them in the class. Been a long time, Spence. And I could sell them for two, three, four, five cents even, depending. So by the time lunchtime hit, I had two, two and a quarter, two fifty from my 50 cents. Now, I invested that in burritos and, uh, and those uh, apple pies. <laughs> Large cookies. And all of those. Yeah, the ridiculous-sized cookie, the one that's the size of a sewer lid, and all of that. But I had so much fun. But it's one of the first times that you realize – putting a value on a commodity. What is the jawbreaker worth when you're at 7-Eleven? It's worth a penny. What's it worth when you're in class? Well, now, you don't have a jawbreaker, do you? And I had the jawbreaker. So suddenly, just like a beer at the store and a beer at Dodger Stadium, hmm. that is more. And I, it was one of the first times I realized when you have a demand and you have something that can fill that, it was my early economics lesson. Now, what grade the, were you in there? That was seventh and eighth grade. I love that. And I ran it, and I ran it, and I ran it good. And nobody ever got mad at me because, hey, cool, man, you got to get the jawbreakers. And they always, because I was the one that could provide that. And my friends got the friendly deal, you know, three for a nickel. <laughs> uh, but the other ones, meh, you know, maybe I got a little tougher with them. So there was some um, peak pricing and all that, you know, when I knew I was down to a couple. But it was one of my first times. And uh, did you have a paper out? I did. My paper out was seventh and eighth grade. So I, I was sort of in the thing of understanding you get money, you collect bottles, you cash them in. It was all that stuff we did. And like you were saying about kindergarten, it's the stuff that you learned back then. When you collected all these bottles, suddenly you could get the big popcorn at the boobies. Hmm. When you grabbed those jawbreakers, suddenly I could get the burrito and the honey bun and do all of that. And it was, it was fun, but it was a way for me to learn the worth of things, the value of both money and product. And that's what I did. Something, Kalina. That's I was, beautiful. That's yeah. awesome. I mean, where do kids get that today? Where do kids learn about money and being entrepreneurial and having a paper route and having responsibilities and uh, collecting cans? I used to do all that stuff when I was a kid as well, but I didn't. I, you know, it's just different now. I don't know. My kids are young. I remember being their age, but I don't see them doing this stuff. No. And, and it, you know, and it's not easy, though, as well. There's not a paper route available for them. Now, there's other stuff I'm sure we can find. And, and this is going to be my own assignment, I guess, to find out ways that you can teach your kids about money. And certainly the big one that I have at my house is the uh, save, spend, give invest jars. And I've kind of put the masking tape and wrote those on each one. And then We've done a few fun little exercises buying uh, buying some popsicles and then selling those popsicles just to try and teach him a little bit. But but at some point, all of these lessons are very good to learn, and uh, it's good for kids to have them and to learn them. So however we can teach them that would be very beneficial. And the other thing is the first time you're paid by the outside. Dad might give you an allowance for cutting lawns and, and just being a good kid, getting grades. Everybody has their balance on how they do things. So at the end of... With my dad, he was a Scottish accountant. So if I got a buck a week for you know uh, one part of my life, it doesn't sound like much, but it was a lot back then. A buck a week. But if I spent it all and I went back, my dad would say, "Well, you kind of went over budget, now, didn't you?" And he didn't care. It was done, and that I learned. And I thought, yeah, if I want a movie, baseball cards, a soda, and this, I better start generating other cash outside. So the real magic of selling the jawbreakers, getting the bottles, and having the paper out—that was money from over the fence. That was outside the Spence household. The other way is you do good, dad gives you money. Mom gives you money. 
you do good, you get it that way. That's like internal money. But when you really get it and you go out there and you say, I came back with my own money. And kids know. Kids know um, that they spend their money much differently than they spend your money and money they get from you. They're, they know there's a difference. And uh, the earlier that you can teach them to spend their own money and make their own money, I think the better off it will be to helping them because there's a big difference and that's not a difference you want to continue promoting as they get older. Yeah, and it's it's part of the deal of, of going through this class uh, that you're presenting now and the idea that it's something that we should have been taught. There's certain things, I think, CPR, home ec, keyboarding, you know, just very essential things that you can instantly use when you get you get into college, into the dorm. Okay, don't worry, you know how to cook. You know, you, you know how to sew a button. Money, though. You go to school. Hey, we'll give you this uh, Lakers uh, sweatshirt hoodie if you sign up for a credit card. Okay, you know what? Go buy the hoodie yourself. And, you know, don't, don't get it that way. But some kids, when they go into it, just sounds like a great deal. And I'll get introduced to credit. Now, that's not saying that a kid shouldn't be introduced into credit when they go to college. But if they have the seeds planted by a class like this, they'll go there knowing exactly what the interest is what the payment schedule is going to be, and how much that uh, hoodie costs them over a year in reality. And I think that's what you're going to be able to teach a lot of people. Yeah, well said there, Spence. I appreciate that. Well, that's all the time we have for lunch today. It's back to the classroom. And don't forget that homework challenge. The homework challenge, get your year-end statement from your investment account and retirement accounts. Find out what that value is on 12-31-2018. Compare that to 1-1-2018. Let's see where you're at. Oh, man, I think the clock is slow. I don't feel tardy. Thanks for joining us on Money Class today. We know you have a lot of choices when it comes to choosing your electives, and Money Class will be a very good one for you. Have a great week, and we will talk to you next week in Money Class. Are you currently being treated for type 1 or type 2 diabetes? If so, you may qualify for a clinical study at Coastal Metabolic Research Center located in Ventura. All study-related medications and glucose monitoring will be provided at no cost to you. Studies include compensation for your time and travel. Please contact 805-658-8460 for more information. That's 805-658-8460 for more information. Do you ever question if your investments are right for you? Do you own any annuities, retirement accounts, or have other money you want help with? Have you ever wondered what your advisor is making or how they get paid? Get a free second opinion. Talk with Michael Anderson, Certified Financial Planner. Call his answering service today, 805-665-3767. Leave a message and get a call back immediately. 805-665-3767. 